people leave managers not organizations how many times have you heard that how many times have you read a rant about the proverbial nasty boss how many times have you cribbed whined complained got frustrated with the manager that you've had clearly the voice inside you screaming and shouting that if only i got an opportunity to become this leader someday i'd show the world how different i am as a person as a leader and lo and behold what happens when you do become that leader there are scores of people who come back and make similar accusations against you and as the cliche goes a captain is as good as his team and so you complained while you were a team member and now you're complaining when you are a boss where does it stop where does the buck stop and how do you therefore become a good leader hello and welcome to bus talk a podcast about your work life balance or the lack thereof where we do simple talk in the world of complex commentary the life around work and sundry it's for those who need support in strife stuck in the traffic of work life hoping to find a method to the madness joy in sadness clarity in confusion and sanity in this commotion welcome to bus talk so who are the classical good bad and the ugly leaders are they all the same person is it that one person has multiple facets or do you think that there are good leaders there are bad leaders and there are ugly leaders they cannot be all rolled into one if you will so to understand that i've got to give an example of cricket now think of cricket and think of captain it's a very captain led sport as a many other sports but in cricket in particular they say a captain is as good as his team right so then it begs the question well if the team is bad does the captain also become bad so think of this i'm just extrapolating it a little bit further think of the situation right suppose you have a nasty boss or a nasty captain visualize i won't take names visualize anybody who's a very nasty captain but he continues to win games for the team so the question to you is does that make him a good person or a good leader then and conversely think of the opposite think of the reverse if he was a proverbial nice guy but continues to lose games for the team will he still be considered a good captain or then does he become a bad captain we often get caught up in this narrative of figuring out who's a bad boss and who's the ugly boss or who's the good boss we seldom or rarely focus on how we are as a person are we making our captains better or are we becoming the reasons for them to become nasty or bad and so it also begs the question what can you do which is in your control in your capacity to make your boss go from being nasty to good can you take this person from the current state of being ugly move him to a step better to being bad and then towards being good or do you think that's not possible at all 
So let's dive into this fascinating bus talk and try and understand what constitutes a good job for a good leader to be a good leader or in this case as it were be a good sales leader. This topic request comes from Mr. Saurabh Pawar. Thank you for your question Mr. Pawar and what he's suggested as a topic of discussion is quite relevant to many of you and so I thought we'll have an episode on this. The top three or four questions that he asks are number one what makes a good sales leader? What are the kind of skills needed to become a good sales leader? Can a non-sales person lead a sales team? That's a very interesting question. I like that. And the fourth point is, what are the traits of a good or a bad sales leader? I think some of them are subsets of one or two questions. I'll try and pack in as much as I can. But I get the drift, right? You're trying to define the picture of a good boss. And so, you know, you cannot talk about a good boss unless you give the comparative on what is a bad boss and what is an ugly boss. And I don't mean it, you know, by physical appearance. I hope you get the metaphor in this. Just the varying degrees of uh, characteristics that we often come across, right? Let's dive into this episode of Bus Talk and find out what makes for a good leader. So let's jump right in. Question one, what is a good sales leader? Now, if you had asked me this question 10 years earlier or my early days of becoming a people manager, I'd have probably rattled down 10 points and said, if you had these 10 points, that then you become a good sales leader or a good leader in general. But having spent many moons behind the management desk, I can tell you, two simple words that always work, which is WW, whatever works. You know, if a particular way, method or style is working well for you, then by all means, follow that. Following somebody else's guidance on what constitutes a good job to become a good leader may may not be applicable to you. Now, the reason I'm giving you these disclaimers up front is for the simple fact that how in my journey of being a leader or a boss, the convictions that I had, and I became a people manager way back in 2004, if I remember accurately, how I was a boss in the year 2004 is very different to the boss I was in 2014 and very different in 2020, if you will. And that has enriched me. But let me begin with the 10 pointers that I had back in 2010. You know, I had written it down that if I have to be this good boss, then what are the basics that I need to have as a framework? Now, they have changed over time and their definitions uh, and impact are different. But here is how I started. I was typically leading a team of five or seven people. So here are the 10 points, right? And I'll dive into each one of them after I give you those 10 points. Number one for me, and, and these are not in order of priority or preference, but they are just 10 points. Okay. Number one, conviction. Number two, straight cut. Number three, connect balance. Number four, mind ticker. Number five, risky business. Number six, higher diversity. Number seven, invest in the middle. Number eight, fearless failure. Number nine, chaos creator. 
Number 10, integral balance. Now, I know a lot of these terms might not have made sense to you. So I'll quickly touch upon all of these one by one. Conviction, self-explanatory. I think a leader should be clear about where he or she wants their team to lead. You know, oftentimes it is used very lightly. Like, for example, if you ask a sales leader, what is the thought clarity you have? Oh, I just have one thought clarity that we need to get to 100% targets. Well, that's not enough, right? It, it, your sales leadership cannot be unidimensional. It has to be multidimensional. You have to have multiple facets of the people, their trigger points, your goals, and how you've got to reach those goals. And you have to have strong conviction in getting or achieving those goals. Merely giving a number and becoming a collections agent like, hey, how much revenue did you do is not a sign of a great leader. A, a great leader should be able to show more than tell. Roll up the sleeves and show it how it's done. If you've got it in you, show it to them. And if you can't, then your team will not look up to you as a leader, right? And that's a prerequisite. It's a, it's a pressure situation. This is also about leading from the front when required. Conviction about the role, about the target, about the journey that you have planned for the quarter, for the year, has to be translated into action and show the team that you are you are the best at at the job, right? That's number one. So have conviction. Number two was straight cut. If a business plan is crappy, it's crappy. Call it crappy. Call spade a spade. A leader needs to let the team know that they should be prepared for the real deal. No fluff. No wise use of words. One has to develop this transparency. And sometimes people get a little touchy about getting direct feedback. Sometimes people find it a little surprising when managers tend to be very blunt or straight and straight in your straight to the point without having the pleasantries or the cushions or the prefixes and the suffixes and somewhere that thought clarity sometimes helps word of caution there in the effort to become this straight talking no nonsense kind of a person you might come across as rude and arrogant to a few people so how do you balance that out is something that you've got to think before you get into that meeting because all five fingers are not of the same size. So what works for somebody may not work for somebody else. And so it cannot be my way or the highway. I only do straight talk and I can shoot off the hips. You know, it doesn't work like that. But if you cover that aspect of managing expectations, then you will be able to have a, you should have a team culture where you are able to call a spade a spade and get to the real truth. How you present that truth elsewhere in the organization is something that you can decide outside or in your own capacity. But with the team, they ought to know where you are, how you plan to get there. And if something is working, great. If it's not working, you have to get the bad news really quickly. Bad news can't be wrapped around in a nice package. Bad news has to be stated as it is. If you're not meeting the forecast, you are not meeting it. Then first acknowledge and then figure out the two or three ways to 
get as close to the commit number as you can right so those kind of conversations need to know the real deal people shouldn't get defensive and give you false promises that oh don't worry this deal will come and then on the 31st they say oops uh, the ceo didn't sign or the deal didn't fly or some reason that doesn't help at all you have to cut out the happy ears in such conversations you cannot get extremely excited if a large deal is forecast because you know if that large deal slips then the amount of damage it will do to your forecast is huge you cannot keep revising your forecast more than one or two times during a particular quarter so therefore the essence of conviction leads to is also strongly connected with being straight cut come to the point cut out the fluff right number 3 connect balance a true compliment for a leader is when people from say level 1 to 9 in the hierarchy say they connect with them at a different level an ear on the ground yields to timely course correction which leads to sustained productivity what this means is you've got to make the effort as a leader to connect with your team no matter how different they are from you right it's good that they are different there is diversity not just in gender but in mind that you learn from them and know what works for these people and so you have got to establish the connect make the effort to connect with the team number 4 mind ticker a leader needs to think about the new bell curve at all levels and in all areas of his responsibility he has to keep ahead in thought process be a thought leader in the true sense a forward thinking person yields to constant growth so one of the key things is that we get caught up in this tactical activity of everyday numbers and forecasts and this campaign and that goal and so on and so forth but at some point it is imperative it's important for a leader to take a step back and keep some time maybe one hour a week where they think of the path ahead it's like your zen zone it's your zen time at office where you are just left alone thinking how you want to plot the remainder of the quarter not just in terms of an excel exercise but also from people how they are progressing who's lagging behind what is the what what is the plan for them begin with the end in mind right what is the end the qbr right the quarterly business review what are the questions that will get asked if you meet the numbers what are the questions that will get asked if you do not meet the numbers think of those questions and see where you stand today and start working on these things immediately and track the progress so that you are ready even before the quarter ends number 5 risky business it's not about the de-risking all the time sometimes a leader has to take calculated risks run pilot projects and see which idea could be the next so called paradigm shift and i hate using that word but which could bring about a big change today's risk yields tomorrow's productivity you know so don't be afraid of taking risks people get so protective that uh, they don't want to venture out and try something different something completely out of the box yes there could be 
some sniggers and some jeers and some resistance that might come across from traditional thinking people saying why do you want to try this why don't you just follow the process and protocol but like i said i always wanted to try and different things and see yes uh, the basics have to be there not while you try something different it's not in lieu of stability right the risk is not so much that you screw up whatever is working right you have to first ensure that whatever is working is working well and then additionally can you take some risk and try something different and there's some examples i'll share with you at some other point but try to take calculated risks number 6 higher diversity a leader needs to have some who fall in line some who rebel some who execute some who think out of the box some who question status quo everything you need a mix you need a very rich experience from your team so hire well hire people who think differently from how you think all people thinking the same does not guarantee success diversity in the team guarantees success and this is the time when i say you have to hire women you have to hire different skill sets even in the men that you hire and the women that you hire so that you get newer ideas newer ways of achieving success number 7 invest in the middle a leader needs to invest in people but more towards people who form the plateau of the bell curve of productivity this is against the 8020 rule if a leader can make that into a 6040 risks will be lower and productivity will be higher a higher degree of individual ownership yields to higher profits over a longer period of time what do i mean by that simply put if you had 10 members in the team stack rank them from 1 to 10 what what's the pareto's law that 20% of the people will generate 80% of the numbers so your rank 1 2 and 3 are sure to get you your numbers so why worry about rank say 3 to 10 yet if you interview and ask almost 10 on 10 or 9 on 10 people they'll say well i'll dedicate maximum time towards uplifting the ranks 3 to 7 or 3 to 8 and help them and solve their problems essentially capitalism if you wear the capitalistic hat it's like a bad investment deal that you do why because you're spending 70% of your time with the people who are going to get no more than 20% of the revenue and what what are you saying that if your top 1 2 3 manage everything on their own then do they don't need to be under your head count right then you they, we can just move them out and you just manage the mediocre team the ones who are in the middle of the bell curve is that the kind of manager you want to be you see that's a way of looking at this and you know people have this compassionate thing that i will be the messiah and trying to heavy lift the laggards and bring them into being performers yet a simple thing could have been chop and change if somebody is not running the race with you cut them out get in somewhere now we being the compassionate society that kind of you know pinches us a little bit like oh my god how can i be so insensitive uh, that's not the way to do it but so what is the right way to do it on one hand do you not focus on the top earners maximum amount of your time should it not be for your top earners or should you just let them be on their own so the way is to balance it out right you've got to lead the toppers rank 1 2 3 in your team of 10 
have to be led they need inspiration do not assume because they are doing their job well that you have nothing else to add to their lives if you are in that mindset then please go back and do some homework and see how you could better lead them it could be by way of certification by new learning by asking them to take stretch projects could give them other responsibilities to showcase the other talents understand their cdp the career development plans and work on them and lead them do not assume that rank 1 2 3 will auto function if they auto function then they don't need a leader right so likewise for rank 3 to 7 or 3 to 8 don't get burdened by heavy lifting and doing things for them try to travel light as much as you can yes there is a responsibility to responsibility on you to make them as successful but it doesn't mean that you get bogged down so break down that 3 to 7 into 3 4 5 those are your best of the lot where you want to push them in a way that 5 becomes 4 4 becomes 3 3 becomes 2 and 2 keeps pushing 1 that's the ideal mix what do you do with rank 6 7 and 8 you've got to put them on a timeline that look let's decide this is not a pip right this is not a performance improvement plan but it has to be a time bound activity you've got to measure the number of times that you're going to give them the time what do i mean by that i mean give them one quarter with three tasks give them another quarter with another three tasks and then see how they are performing are they able to scale are they not able to scale do you have six quarters of underperformance that you can manage why should somebody else take the load of six other people not performing so think about those and make wise hiring decisions wise investments right and if the distance between 5 6 is very less or 5 6 7 are very less i mean somebody is at a 90% attainment somebody is at 89% and somebody is at 91.2 then i don't think you have so much to worry you can create a sense of camaraderie you can create a sense of competition and so that they continue to excel if the distance is too much that rank 5 is at 91% attainment but moment you go to rank 6 or 7 they fall to 70% attainment or 60% attainment you have a problem at hand there's something which is fundamentally not working don't wait for them to drop down to 50 from 70 or 40 from 70 or whatever that is a stop press moment for you if they are gone below 70% attainment for more than two quarters right immediately or even one quarter if you're in a fast moving smb business uh catch it early catch the downfall early rather than do a crisis management when the bell curve for their productivity is on its way down likewise the last two people as in 8 9 10 or last three people you've got to take a tough call right maybe they are good at something else it i'm not saying that these are bad resources at the time that you interviewed got them through 10 rounds of interviews or 5 rounds of interviews and they still got hired unless you made a wrong hiring decision that that's a separate conversation but having taken them through the rigmarole of the interview they must have some good skill sets do you want to spend some time in figuring out where there is a root problem that needs to be solved if you can solve for that then these 8 9 10 can perhaps become 4 5 6 you have to give a limited time towards this effort once you do that if it works great if it doesn't work 
escalate, seek help. Don't sit on it. Go seek help from your seniors, from your peers, whoever. Don't be ashamed to ask help. That here I have two people, they seem to have decent talent to make it to the team, but they're not able to cope up with the pressures or the pace of work that there is. What are the two or three things that we could do differently? Seek help. It's perfectly fine. So this is how you would manage or balance the the team in general number eight fearless failure a leader cannot fear failure you will make mistakes you will fall down you will have to stand up very quickly a true test of character and mental strength is fighting back and winning a strong belief system needs to be part of your core dna a fearless individual yields to a glorious champion now what do i mean by a fearless leader doesn't mean you become arrogant or you don't become gabbar you know what i'm saying take out the belt and go around whipping the stone no that that that's not what i mean by being a fearless leader when i say fearless leader i mean take bold decisions to enhance your business always be business focused if there is a bold step you need to take you need to take a bet get a consensus get a buy in from your manager and say look i'm trying to do this little differently and yes your manager could be in a different trajectory different path different mindset so it's incumbent upon you to build the case up properly so that it pitches right to your manager right so that you present the idea in the language that your manager understands is important to have at least one executive sponsor someone who's backing you up somebody who knows what you're doing right and then take that bold step that bold step will win the confidence of the team and if you fail after that you know that you have to get up quickly and show the team that you were trying to do something different it did not work you now identify why it didn't work and next time you will make it work so don't make this a habit you don't take bold steps every week or every quarter but perhaps once a year or twice a year you pick up an initiative uh, and give it like a special project status and go for it don't fear it falling down or failing it's okay in my view of course <laughs> uh number 9 is chaos creator a leader needs to create chaos to awaken people from their comfort zone a leader needs to do this even for himself or herself if you are not growing you are dying as the popular adage goes in the capitalism and in the capitalistic economy a ticking mind yields to a ticking revenue counter what i mean by this is you know very often often we get very comfortable with once we have figured the system once we have cracked the code you know if we do these three things we are going to get here you know this is very evident you will see in the team there'll be your two or three top reps this is this trait is usually seen in the top reps they will come back and say boss don't ask me about all this i will get you your forecast i'll get you your numbers uh and because they have managed to work the system right so you've always got to create little bit of uh chaos in the positive sense not like disrupt something that is working but create uh, a learning curve where your the set of people who are slipping into a comfort zone wake them up and give them a new project a new challenge keep them 
engaged don't see the leadership is, is all about balance right you don't want to create chaos for the heck of doing it it's only you do, and it's a judgment call you would take you only do it when you see that there is complacency creeping in which is gone beyond your control well it also begs the question why you let it happen in the first place but given that it happened now how do you snap out of it quickly and complacency can happen both by way of success and failure people who have made figured out the system continue to work the system and they get complacent and therefore then there are those who have kind of given up mentally you know they just turn up to work have this glum uh, you know gloomy look and a smug face and like yeah i've turned what else do you want i'll do what i have to do and you know you know that they are mentally switched off and so how do you wake them up and it's your honest effort right and if beyond a point they don't wake up then you know what needs to be done but either ways you've got to shake and stir a little bit from time to time don't overdo this because it will be it can even backfire and look very silly but ensure that people don't get complacent last but not the least integral balance what i mean by that is a leader has to be balanced it's an integral part of your leadership skill set what this means is on one hand you have to lead from the front on the other hand you have to be behind so that your team can lead from the front you see how you have to balance this out on one hand you have to show the team how it is done on the other hand you have to tell them what to do as well so there is a balance to this and it's a trial and error method i don't have a bullet formula that you say well if you do these three things then you will just like that find the balance unlikely so try to find this balance being a leader on one hand being extrovertish and boisterous and energy on the other hand try being sensitive because there will be introverts in your team the quiet ones don't ignore them be with them spend time with them likewise don't forget to have fun with the guys who want to go outdoor and play cricket with you if you will so this balance is integral to a leader look i know there are many many other points that could have come all of these points that i mentioned and these were my early thoughts as early as 2004 and 5 but i can safely say i've largely kept all of these intact over the years if i were to add anything different as a leader in 2020 vis-a-vis 2004 all i'd say is add a degree of flexibility to uncertainty right that what you planned what you thought did not work out the way you imagined it to be so be a little more flexible in ad- adapting to other people's plans if there are some better plans that somebody else says is working for them earlier i used to be very defensive about it i used to be very look because it tied it to my conviction bit right i was very clear what i needed to do but you realize that at some point you've got to have a little bit of flexibility again you see conviction and flexibility talk about the integral balance right so that is why leadership is not black and white it's always this shade of gray and multiple shades of gray in between and so 
that if you manage to figure these 10 points out in some shape size or capacity you'd perhaps be about 60-70% ready to be a good or on the trajectory towards being a good leader. Clearly, no one point is not in lieu of the other, that if you only did this, you will become a great leader. If you did not do that, you will become a bad leader. It's not like that. It's like, think of it like a puppet string. These are the 10 strings that you have, how you pull, push, uh, let go, hold on, depends on the situation that you are in depends on the company that you work for, the, the culture that you have around you. So be very observant, right? That's a new addition to that list. Be very observant of the environment around you, how people are talking, what's happening, which are the power centers. Be very observant. That's one addition I would have to become a good leader. Of course, listening and everything is part of observation but i'm just saying little more critical observation around what's going on around you is is a key trait to have and so hopefully that's what makes for a good sales leader and i think in this segment we covered three questions right what makes a good sales leader the kind of skills needed to be a good sales leader and the traits of a good or a bad sales leader. The only question that is remaining is that can a non-salesperson lead a sales team? And the answer to that is yes. Short answer is yes. But beware, what does this mean? It also means that you did not think through your career well. Did you have a career development plan? And so if you are deviating from what you thought was, why is that deviation happening? Spend some time figuring out why you are doing a career pivot from a non-sales role to a sales role. Why do you not see a future in the non-sales role? Bear in mind, career pivots are little tricky. Why? Because you're not starting something new. It's a, you, a train that is running at 100 miles an hour you are just going to make the switch and jump onto a running train and so there will be that phase of time where you will be totally overwhelmed there will be a period of time when you will even regret the decision that why did you make the switch you know, like they say, the grass is always more toxic on the other side. You could have might as well stayed back in your current role and continue doing what you were good at. There was so much of economies of scale that has already occurred to you, happened to you. So why make that change? Uh, so the change only happens unless you have this amazing amount of thought clarity and this huge thought clarity is not by a single event or occurrence like if some you had a bad showdown with your boss this is in your non-sales role and a bad showdown is a well screw it i'm not going to work for this boss i'm going to go into a sales team looks like the chap is a smiley guy he takes his team out for dinner that might be a great opportunity and you switch over only to realize that if the guy went on to the dinner and asked the sales forecast and he lambasted the team in the team dinner yeah that too happens sometimes and so 
don't go by the visual optics of what seems a better job or a different job or a better sales job in this case right the better way of transitioning for a non sales person into a sales role is to start partnering with the team shadowing them over a period of 2 to 3 months see if you can shadow them and be like a fly on the wall and observe and how you do that it's going to be very difficult but this is part of your career plan and if you have earned enough confidence with your existing manager that look i will not compromise my existing work but i need to explore some of the other roles if you have managed to establish that degree of trust with your manager chances are this transition this shadowing activity can happen in most cases it is unlikely let's also be fair call a spade a spade right it's highly unlikely that if you are in a tier 1 hard or any other not just tier 1 any organization where they've hired you to do a particular job and the guy says yeah do whatever you want you can go check out other jobs as well that seems little difficult practically difficult because you are not going to be able to execute the current job alternatively if you are one of those uh, people who is struggling to be good at your current job in your current role why would the other manager hire you because the feedback that will go to him that would be that look this guy is not doing well on a scale of 10 this guy is at number 9 or number 10 if you want to hire him or her go ahead and hire then this existing manager would think why would i want a bottom performer why not a top performer right so to have a manager who's very progressive and who knows your root problem and has the solution for it and therefore knowing that you are a number 8 or 9 or 10 and still hires you that is a as common as finding water in mars so <laughs> so yes these are the unfortunate realities yes you know when the best bet was when you were perhaps a campus hire lot of the campus hire programs in the country have a rotation policy so they spend 2 months in one department 2 months in another 2 months in another and this goes on for about a year now that too has multiple problems right you might land up getting thoroughly confused that look i like little bit of this and a little bit of that but i really don't know what i really like <laughs> there is always the opposite side right and so be very careful about these pivots right unless this happens you have you can't keep pivoting and repivoting and pivoting and repivoting back it will mess up your career whether it is in this organization or somewhere else right the market is going to stand up and say well so what are you are you a sales guy or are you a non sales guy how do i compensate you you might have 10 years of work experience but the sales experience is only 3 years so how can i design a compensation package for a 10 year because the other people that i'm interviewing have a 10 year relevant work experience so they will automatically deserve the top dollar so bear these practicalities in mind before you make the switch and therefore how you design your career in the first 2 3 years of your life are exceedingly critical because changing later on becomes a very tough complicated messy affair if you have to make the change make it between year 1 year 2 at best year 3 no later than year 3 should have figured out i know there are instances where people have made 
their career switch switches after year 10 also but look you would rather want to err on the side of caution right there are exceptions but is that the rule answer is no that's not the rule mostly people do this hodgepodge in their first 5 6 years of their career by the time you know the proverbial bell rings it's almost like 8 years 9 years down the work ex path and then they are like in a in a confused state of mind that what do i do i want to succeed i want a managerial role i want a leadership role but i don't have the relevant work ex for the role what do i do and so therefore i will have to settle for a junior profile or a less than equal profile and get paid lesser as well so those are the complications that happen if you figure stuff out later in life and so there is a lot of pressure to figure it out early and this is the time you should choose a right mentor very carefully who can guide you and even if you don't agree fully if you have placed your career's trust on this person then go through with it because lot of things don't make sense to you early in your career they suddenly start to make sense to you much later in life for example when you are starting your career you think the more salary i get the better it is right in the first 3 years 4 years the you this is the money trap you've already got emis you've got credit card bills you want to buy this you want to buy that that's the adrenaline rush right that's the dopamine surge but by the 10 year 15 year mark you're thinking well i need a role which has got a better work culture where there is higher job satisfaction and all these words which you thought were english early now suddenly start to make sense they become that much more relevant so absolutely remember to trust the mentor while they plot the do's and don'ts the path for your career and therefore it is very important to choose the mentor with great care for that seek help from your near and dear ones who you trust who have an objective view of life beyond a point if despite of all all of these efforts if something goes wrong it goes wrong then have that mental resilience to stand up and walk again and figure out a smarter way remember i leave you with this one thought all of us will at least get one jackpot opportunity in our careers whether it comes early in life whether it comes later in life or mid career is a material you will get your shot at the jackpot the question is are you mentally ready to grab it and make the most of it And that's about it for this episode of Bus Talk. I do hope you had a good time listening as much as I had sharing these thoughts with you. And if you did, just scroll below and find other episodes of Bus Talk. Share it with others who might appreciate similar content. Here's the good news though. If you had any specific questions or want me to cover a specific topic which matters to you, send me a note on my email gyanban@gmail.com which is g y a n b a n @gmail.com and I'll include them in the subsequent episodes. Or 
You could leave me a voice message using the link below. Reach me on my social media handles on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hashtag G-Y-A-N-B-A-N. That's Kyanban. Or you could go on to podpage.com forward slash bus talk. That's B-A-S-T-L-K. So be sure to tune in next week. There's a fascinating episode coming right up. And till then, stay safe, stay well and bring your A-game to work. You are listening to Bus Talk and I'm your host, GB. Peace out.